You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. It's Wednesday, 8 March. Meta plans to lay off thousands more after laying off 11,000 back in November. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb studios in Houghton, Johannesburg. On the show today, chatting with Reckonary, portfolio manager anchor, strong results from ShopRite, NetBank, uh, retailers, but uh, some, some worries perhaps. Certainly NetBank was saying the future this year may be not as good. Bruce Strong from Impact as, it, as changes in consumer behavior boosts results. Uh, and Felix Ritab, he's Sea Harvest CEO. Results that suffered from reduced volumes, and that was largely legislative, and massive increased costs. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines from Reuters. Uh, Fed's Powell sets the table for higher and possible faster rate hikes as he testifies to Congress. Market did not like what he had to say, but basically he's saying, you know what, we'll do whatever it takes, which is what he's been saying since the beginning. Business day, economic growth hits the wall amid crippling power cuts. Uh, 1.4% GDP contraction in Q4, way worse than was expected. Market was looking for 04 down. Morning markets, the US was red, S&P down 1.2%, NASDAQ off 1.5%. Asia is mixed, Sydney uh, off a quarter of a percent, and Tokyo up a quarter of a percent. Commodities, very red overnight. Gold, 1,814. Brent, 83.51. Platinum, 933. Palladium, 13.65. Rand, 18.64. Bitcoin, 22,100. Ten cent is down 2.5%. And top 40 opening call, uh, 580 points to the red. That is 0.8% lower. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. Jenny now with Arari, a portfolio manager at Anchor. Rick, I appreciate the time this morning. Results, I mean, we are thick into results season right now. Uh, a couple of biggies coming out yesterday. We, we've seen some, some retailer numbers coming through. ShopRite numbers were not bad. I, mean, I suppose the, the, the one issue perhaps was, was, was trading margin down from 6.1 to 5.7%, but good growth in revenue. HEPs up just over 10%, dividend up just over 6.4%. Your take on, on, on ShopRite? Hello, Simon. It's really great to be on the show. Um, I think when we're looking at the results, the recent results that we've seen out of the retailers, I guess the one uh, big comment is around the common denominator across the JSC complex mm. being management teams coming out and just highlighting the adverse impact of load shedding um, and yeah, its effects on costs and demand, as you've already uh, alluded to. So, yeah, not just only for the retailers, but we saw that out of the banks and the miners, just one united voice uh, management team just coming out and just highlighting the difficulty of uh, trading in the current environment. Um, but, yeah, with that said, um, ShopRite released their first half of 2023 results yesterday. Um, and yeah, these results, um, we continue to see ShopRite post very solid sales growth relative to the other food retailers. Uh, we saw ShopRite's overall sales of merchandise increase by 16.8% and, and, uh, like for like sales increased by 11.3%. Um, what we were most impressed by, Simon, was the revenue out of the ShopRite's SA supermarket segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, that increased by 17.5%, which is fairly impressive. 
if you compare it with Woolworths uh, food division, uh, that's increased by 7.6. So comparing ShopRite's uh, 17.5%, towards 7.6 i mean kind of shoprite continues uh to 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 be the 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 the, the guy with the the front foot here in this <laughs> department um diluted hips uh, at a group level that increased by 10.2 percent um but once again uh, as we've already said uh we did see the impact of load shedding filter through um as far as trading profit margins uh, are concerned those came under pressure um but yeah for, from our side uh, shoprite continues to be our preferred pick in the space uh, it's, a, it's a quality retailer um, but we do expect to see some pressure on margins and earnings going forward. Yeah, I was going to ask you the preferred pick, so it is ShopRite. It's my preferred pick, so it makes me feel a little smarter when, when, <laughs> when, when the smart tags like it. Let, let's move to NetBank. We, we, we saw really good numbers out from first round last week. Of course, that was different because their, their December is a half year. NetBank for the full year, uh, good increase in, in, in headline earnings per share. And payments up a bit, a good move in dividend, uh, 5 billion rand share buyback, but cautious mm-hmm. about the year ahead. Yeah. So as, as you said, Simon, that was NetBank's full year results uh, that came in slightly ahead of our expectation. A very solid set of results. Um, as you've said, headline earnings grew by about 20 percent to 14 billion rand. Uh, one of the highest headline earnings numbers that's come out of uh, NetBank um, in kind of in, in history. Um, and yeah, the big talking point was around that final dividend um, of uh, 8 rand 66 cents. Um, that brings the total dividend to uh, 16 rand 49 for the year and also the announcement of the share buyback and uh, odd allotment mm. offer 5 billion rand um, the big number as well was the return on equity that was a solid number that improved to 14 percent um, retail and business banking showed good growth out of deposits um, advances and customers all in that six to eight percent growth range uh, what was disappointing was the number um, uh, kind of of net interest income out of the uh, yeah. CIB, which is corporate and investment banking that came in slightly lower than expected. Um, but positively, uh, CIB's non-interest revenue that ticked up um, by 10 percent. So a 10 percent growth in the second half of uh, 2022. So management's outlook as far as NetBank is concerned, their, their outlook uh, as far as expecting or, or, or positive growth um, out of earnings for 2023, um, but not so positive on uh, the kind of the headwinds and challenges that, that South Africa faces. Uh, they did mention load shedding, transnet and poor municipal de- service delivery uh, in the statement. Uh, so, yeah, we think NetBank uh, could present a, a short-term re-rating opportunity um, rather than a kind of a long-term growth play, I think, from our side. Um, you know, for first rand and Capitec, um, they, they kind of do hold a, a quality growth um, story that we like. Um, so as far as quality growth and a long term play, we're looking towards first rand and Capitec. But as far as a short term re-rating opportunity, I think investors can find some, yeah, just some value out of NetBank in that in that regard. Um, so, yeah, the overall comment here from us as far as SA banking is concerned, yeah. I think uh, the space remains solid. It's a solid place to be invested. Uh, and it looks to have resilient earnings growth for the remainder of the year. So we uh, do keep uh, and do plan to keep uh, SA banks as part of our core pillar uh, in portfolio construction. We leave it there, Rekunari. Portfolio Manager, Anchor, uh, SA Bank's a solid place for investments. And our question today on our LinkedIn and Twitter is back to ShopRite around shopping patterns. They talked around, we've seen it from retailers, we are changing our shopping patterns because of load shedding, less fresh produce, etc., etc. Uh, let us know how your shopping patterns are changing. Have your v- vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. Your money gives a damn. If it could protest and sign petitions, your money would. But your money can do more than that. 
When you invest in Stanlib's Infrastructure Investment Fund, beyond getting solid returns, you are helping to build a more sustainable future through job creation and positive economic growth. Damn right you are. Invest for more impact at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. Chatting with Bruce Strong, uh, CEO of Impact, results out for the year end of December. So revenue up 7.1%, headline earnings per share up 25.3%, and the dividend for the year up 130% at 115 cents. Bruce, appreciate the time. You start off the, the results announcement pretty much saying that investment in solar and backup power increased the resilience of operations during load shedding. You've put a fair bit into it and got a fair bit of capacity now. Are you sort of totally off grid or how much? Eskom are you still using? No, I think it's quite important to just put into perspective that our solar installations actually don't take us off grid because at the, uh, the scale that mm. you're using uh, uh, power, um, it's not really possible to go in a paper mill off the grid when you're using 10 megawatts at a, at a paper mill, for example. So it's not off grid necessarily, but it is certainly um, contributes to the low curtailment uh, agreements that we need to, that we've uh, got with Eskom, for example. And it uh, definitely reduces the cost. And in some of our smaller converting operations, which don't use that much power, we're able to run in the day uh, even when there's load shedding. So that's very helpful from that point of view. You've currently got 9.4 megawatts you're adding to that. Is there a cost advantage to to, to the solar? Uh, Yeah, it's definitely got a good payback. When we started these projects five or six years ago, um, we estimated, well, the first project we did in in Paul had a, like a, a, a less than a two-year payback just because of the, the tariff structure in Paul. Mm-hmm. But other than that, most of the projects we estimated at, at a payback of four to five years and some of them a little longer than five years. With the escalation in electricity costs, I think those paybacks are more like three to four years, uh, you know, four years being the longest at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they've definitely paid back in cost and also in convenience and, and just the ability to be able to operate where otherwise you might have been stopped. Certainly, as I said, a, a strong set of numbers, uh, headline earnings up uh, markedly ahead of uh, revenue. How's your input costs generally? Because that certainly, last time we chatted, has been a pressure. Is that is that coming down a bit? Um, so the input costs last year were a huge challenge and they remain e- elevated. So um, we were able in the last quarter to recover some of those higher costs through our paper prices. Um, that's helped a lot. Um, and then what we have seen is while the inflation, if I could call it the change in prices, has, has moderated, that it's not going up, the inflation is lower, the costs are still elevated in most cases. So we are seeing that sustained uh, cost pressure in terms of elevated prices, but certainly not the same level of inflation that we saw this time last year okay. across most of the business. And are you still, I mean, are, you, are, your, are your clients uh, uh, potentially, I mean, load shedding obviously hits them to a fair degree. Are, are you seeing any, any hit there? I mean, you mentioned that you're actually seeing improved demand from, from QSR. Yeah, so it's, it's sort of mixed. I'd say the uh, more substantial customers are, they've already made their plans and they're busy making more plans, you know, so they are able to, to weather the storm here, I'd say, for the time being. Um, and they're all dependent on front-end demand. You know, if consumers mm-hmm. are under tremendous pressure, that would be a challenge for everybody, including us, to some extent. Um, and so we are seeing uh, some pressure in that respect. But fortunately, uh, a number of our product lines are not aimed necessarily directly at the South African consumer. We don't need consumer spending growth to see um, improved offtake. For example, our fruit export uh, packaging is uh, requires uh, the export fruit uh, operators mm. to, to, to be able to do their job. Um, and they've got great uh, growth ambitions, so we are we are investing behind those ambitions. 
Um, and then changing consumer patterns also play into our business to a large extent because we're seeing a lot more home deliveries for 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 online shopping, you know, uh, the likes of the big retailers uh, delivering to your homes. Um, so we don't only make the bags for those uh, home deliveries, we also make the paper that's used for those bags. And we also collect the waste paper that's used to make the paper that's used to make those bags. Um, and uh, that, in, in essence, is our circular economy business model. Um, and that uh, doesn't need huge consumer spending growth. It needs changing patterns, and those patterns are changing, and we're benefiting from that. We're also seeing that in, in types of packaging. So, for example, we uh, three or four years ago, we started with paper punnets to, to replace some of the plastic punnets we make. Mm. And we did tremendous uh, interest and also growth in those products, albeit of a low base. Um, but they are definitely gaining a lot of traction and, and, and we continue to develop new products uh, that fit those uh, consumer requirements. There is a lot of innovation in this space. I mean, no disrespect, but people think packaging, they're going to think uh, boxes and, and the like, and that's not untrue. But, I mean, you talked around the, 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 the export fruit, you talked around uh, uh, the, the convenience. I mean, you've got your, 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 your wheelie bins with, with RFIDs in them. There is actually a huge amount of, of innovation and in, in new product coming through as, as things shift. No, that, that's absolutely true. And I think that there's an opportunity here for, for a lot more innovation, you know, um, with the increased environmental pressure, there has been a lot of low-hanging fruit. I think there's still quite a lot of low-hanging fruit in terms of what could be done, not only to reduce the amount of packaging, but to increase its utility and uh, its, its protective ability uh, at lower weights, for example. Um, and that's traded off against convenience. So convenience by its very nature is breaking bulk um, and that requires more packaging and you want to be able to do that without increasing proportionately, you know, so um, you want to make sure that you don't uh, increase more tons and, and by, by, by light weighting and doing things like that, I think one can offset to some extent. We'll leave it there. That's uh, Bruce Strong, CEO of Impact. Bruce, appreciate the time. There's no postponing the inevitable. Your money knew this day would come. And you know what? It can hardly wait to start giving some back to you. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on the money. Chatting now with uh, Felix Ruteb, he's CEO of Sea Harvest. Uh, they had results out for year-ending December. Revenue up 27%, HEPs down 33%. That really tells the story. Felix, appreciate the time. Your volumes were down 10%. Half of that is fishing rights allocation process back from February, where you were allocated by government a slightly reduced amount. The other 5% is total liable catch. As I understand that, TAC is a is a flexible number and, and and can potentially go up uh, or down, and you're expecting it up for the current financial year. Good morning, Simon. Good morning to your listeners. Correct, Simon. Um, you know, the TAC will fluctuate up and down depending on the health of the resource. Uh, they call it the biomass, the amount of sea uh, fish that's in the mm-hmm. sea. And uh, it's actually up 5% this year. So it's incredibly healthy. The government does an excellent job in terms of managing our resources, particularly hate. Um, and it's a sustainable resource. So that can fluctuate, and it did fluctuate. But unfortunately, last year, we had the situation where we had a, a loss in fishing rights and a reduction mm. in the same year. And any business that uh, does 300 uh, or $3 billion on the top line and loses 10% of its volume, which is $300 million in revenue, uh, is, is very hard to come back from that in one go. 
And and the biggest story last year, perhaps, was just costs uh, from your results. Uh, Fuel, 93% up. Packaging, up 35%. Ingredients, up 34%. Freight, up over 50%. I mean, those numbers are, 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 are frankly, eye-watering. Are they they improving for for the current financial year, the 2023 year? Because those are scary numbers. Unfortunately not, uh, Simon. If we look at the fuel price, it has come down from $100 a barrel to around $85 a barrel. But the rand has moved from mm. 17 rand to the dollar to 18 rand to the dollar, and yesterday even worse. So if we look at it from a rand perspective, it hasn't moved much. Freight has come down slightly, um, and packaging ingredients, etc., are at those elevated levels. We don't expect them to go up further. Um, but I, I believe they're going to remain at those levels. So so as a business, you have to look at your business and, and really put uh, pressure on selling price increases. Unfortunately, consumers around the world uh, will, will feel that, um, not only from sea office, but all food producers. Um, and uh, fortunately, from our perspective, demand for high-value proteins is strong. Um, Europe, Southern Europe is strong. The U.S. is strong. Australia is strong. And we've had some tailwinds in terms of the depreciation of the currency that assists uh, exporters like ourselves. So the only area to recover it is really the market right now. How, how much of your of, of, of your of your catch are you are you exporting? In terms of our high catch, about sixty percent will be exported, okay. um, and it's predominantly developed markets. Um, the largest being Spain, Portugal, and Italy, followed by Australia. Those are four very big markets for hay. Okay, I hadn't realised it was, it was quite so much. Your your your, your abalone uh, uh, operations. I mean, we actually saw I mean, instead of small loss there, well, they were reducing loss. Importantly, in, increased sales uh, volumes, uh, good pricing. I, I, I got to be honest, I was a bit surprised by that because I really thought that 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 sort of China Hong Kong was your market, and uh, the the lockdowns were 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 still quite strict last year. Were you able to just manage the lockdowns, or have you got different markets? No, it was drip feeding different markets, Simon. It's a slow recovery because you're quite right. Uh, only until November, I mean, we had zero COVID in Hong Kong and mainland China, mm. which is uh, which are the main markets for abalone. So it was drip feeding Singapore, Taiwan, um, all markets where there are Chinese communities. Um, and, and still, we've had a lot of pressure on the freight. Uh, to give you an example, you're flying, we were flying pre-COVID at $2.50 a kilo uh, to Hong Kong, and it's up to $8 a kilo. Now, there's just no capacity. <laughs> Uh, which is which is the bigger problem, um, and uh, it, it, uh, it looks like it's going to get better. Um, Capacity is coming on board. Cathay Pacific um, are, are indicating that will fly to South Africa in August. Um, obviously, people are more confident going out now in Hong Kong and China. And if we're seeing the recovery that we've seen in other parts of the world, where once once you're allowed to go out, um, you know people really take yeah. advantage of it. And out of home consumption increases. I mean, for us, the biggest market is the tourism from China, the cross-border tourism from China to Hong Kong. And once that uh, normalizes, I think it's a very good year. I take your point. And, and, and we certainly saw in other markets was as soon as we could go out, your people were out and about. And, uh, and no different, I imagine, in Hong Kong and in China. Will you leave Correct. that there? Uh, Felix Uteb, CEO, Sea Harvest. Appreciate the early morning. That's it for today. We were chatting with Mateta Talari yesterday around that Q4 GDP number uh, that came out, what, 11.30 yesterday. We asked what your expectations were. Now, the market was expecting minus 0.4. It actually came in at minus 1.4. And just over a third of you had said slightly negative and just over another third had said very negative. And I've got to say, minus 1.4, I think that is very negative. The rest of you said a little bit positive. We weren't anywhere close to that. Have your vote. Have your say Twitter and LinkedIn.
The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning on the MoneyWeb website in the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie Nobokhle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their early morning. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again tomorrow, reviving the active or passive debate. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.